Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Mr. Happy New Year to you, Mr. Elliott. Yes, Happy New Year, Trevor. How, how's life been? I haven't seen you in for like ages. <laughs> On that's, this show, that, at that, least. I'm about to say that's actually <laughs> a lie. It's actually a lie. Uh, you, you've, you know, you've just kind of been a little, a little busy yourself. That is true. Just, just a little bit. Happily little married bit. now. And yes, congratulations, congratulations. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> all, the, all the listeners are also clapping along in their cars or wherever they're listening into right now. <laughs> exactly. Well, guys, we are on episode 27. Wow, we've made it to 20, almost 30, almost 30. Hey, and we're, and we're back now for like the foreseeable future. You know, everybody mm-hmm. had things during the holidays. You got married. I was home. It was crazy. It was busy, but we are back. Brand mm-hmm. new year. You know what they say, new year, new us, but it's not new year, new us. We're still the same <laughs> us with better films to talk about. Exactly. And so much is coming out right now. It's like uh, we, we have a plethora of stuff to watch. <laughs> Did you say, pl- is it plethora or plethora? I think it's a plethora. <laughs> I'm about to say, I was like, are you, are you going with it's a type of dinosaur it. that is a, means a lot of. It's a, it a was a really big plethora source, you know? <laughs> We're we digress, a, we're but, to a shiny but we, story, we digress, guys. Uh, so <laughs> to get back on topic, <laughs> our films this week are The Piano and The Power of the Dog, which just recently came out on Netflix uh, and is directed by Jane Campion. Now, with Jane Campion, she's a female director. Uh, she really focuses in on the female psyche and also the uh, female sexuality. And also the idea of uh, man versus woman in each of these uh, films in different ways. Now, The Piano came out, obviously, before the, the Power of the Dog. And it was one of the first films of Campions that really garnered her a lot of recognition in the film industry. Uh, it won Holly Hunter and Anna Paquin, who are both uh, the leads in it. They play mother and daughter in the film. They both uh, garnered uh, Academy Awards for this film for their performances. Harvey Keitel's in it, Sam Neill, a lot of familiar faces. And really, it got Anna Paquin's career really started in the film industry and got her to be a household name, in a sense, because of you know the recognition she got for this particular film. So in film history, it's a, a really big film that came out during... 1993. And really, uh, at the time, not many female directors were tackling the idea of female sexuality in films. Um, And Campion was really the first one to really start this trend and really show it on screen. Uh, To give you guys a little bit of a background on the premise of The Piano, uh, a mother and daughter are basically the mother is married off to this very wealthy gentleman in New Zealand, and she and her daughter are then shipped off to live with him in this far off land that they've never been to. And uh, in tow with them is this giant piano, grand piano that uh, the character of Ada plays, and she's it, it's kind of cl- unclear on how she lost her speech but she's like she can't she's mute but she mm-hmm. still can hear and she uses sign language kind of has this really great like little um 
back and forth between she and her daughter because they kind of have like their own language in a way. And, you know, no one really understands her because she doesn't talk. So they all think she's a little out there or she's possessed or like there's all these like rumors circulating on how she became mute and all this uh, stuff when she gets to New Zealand and meets her betrothed and also the betrothed's uh, family as well. So when they get there, the piano is basically left out in C and she's, you know, very perturbed and wants the piano taken out of obviously the ocean. And it's literally just left on the beach because they don't have a forklift back in the day. And this is a period piece. <laughs> so it's really, uh, you know, they had the only manpower. There's only manpower. So literally mm-hmm. they have to try to get the locals to try to lift this thing out of the sand and everything. And it's a big ordeal. And most it takes up most of the film. <laughs> Trying honestly, to get this piano. Yeah, it, it, it does. It does. I mean, it is the central central piece to to the overall story for sure and what's interesting about that Elliot and I'm sure you caught it is not to jump from film to film but just to point this out of the similarities and the power of do- of the dog mm-hmm. Rose ends up getting a piano mm-hmm. oh yes like, yes yeah I, yeah that's right there there is that kind of bookends between Campion's work where she t- basically will carry over a lot of the themes and certain um objects that we see on screen into uh, subsequent films and such and yes in in the power of the dog the character of rose plays the piano a a bit a little bit poorly yep it becomes a it's interesting how she uses piano the piano and sound itself as kind of a it's almost like a motif a motif of control and also Mm -hmm. like a, a power play and struggle that's happening with the character's or between the characters at that particular moment in the film. You know, with Rose, it's the power struggle of her and Benedict Cumberbatch's character. Phil. Phil, um, who, you know, when she shows up for the first time with her son in tow, much like the piano, um, they're set in this, like, very alien world, which is actually mm-hmm. really just, it's just the, uh, the Old West. Mm-hmm. And it's on a ranch, and... These two uh, outsiders come in to disrupt the tranquility of Phil's life, in a sense. At least that's how he sees it. And, mm-hmm. in, and then there is conflict between the two, and he basically tries to manipulate her into leaving or divorcing his brother, who she uh, ends up marrying. And all the while, it's because he sees her having happiness that he's uh really angry at that at rose for really disrupting his own kind of his own happiness yeah and i also think that goes with that happiness is that he's kind of taking away uh his brother from him you know he's taking exactly. away george so you he's see very the, the, possessive you, yeah you yeah. see it which with, is similar in the piano similar in the very similar in the piano yes with the with the same type of archetype the, it's just kind of flipped it's a little flip because we're mm-hmm. the you know, Holly Hunter's character, Ada, is she's very possessive of her things and she has to have them or and she manipulates men to get her way, basically. Mm-hmm. And in a sense, that's a really interesting motif of 
like feminine power that's really being represented in this in the piano uh per se during that time in 1993 so it's it's a really cool uh forerunner for more of those female driven uh character and character driven films at the time and and sub and subsequent movies to me when i was watching both uh the piano and the power of the dog Mm-hmm. it's kind of also dealing with the love of uh the love of art and kind of like the creating the creators how how sometimes artists are looked down upon in society because in in the piano of course you have uh our main character who who uses the piano and that's like her it's almost like her therapy right right but to but escape. there's yeah it's her escape but a lot of people don't understand that they're you know they they kind of uh ridicule in a way and and what she's what she's trying to do and then you have the power of the dog you have rose who you know is trying to uh, to learn i I, basically it's kind of like a way her her husband is trying to i think make her comfortable Mm -hmm. uh you know going to such a new place from from where she was but then you also have phil who is like older society, you know, he's the hard worker, the, you know, goes out in the fields, does his work, uses his hands, gets dirty. And then you have Rose, who's more of your like art, artistic, creative type. And she's kind of a little bit, a little bit of a different, different generation, I guess you could say. Right. Uh, Like that, that movie has two, two, two sets of, uh, I guess it's generations kind of like mending together. You have the, your hardworking old West, like, you know, back in the day riding horses and then you have that combination with you know the the uh, motorized cars that you see and one of the first well, times rose you see, basically represents the future a free thinking um yeah. progressive movement whereas phil's kind of really stuck in the past and can't let go of his masculinity and also his uh denial of who he really is at, yeah. at heart because you know he really tries to hide behind that masculine cowboy image that image, yeah. a lot of cowboys have where they're they're like you know it, at least as far as a lot of old western films the cowboy is the scruff ruffian who lives on the ranch and takes care of business and is like the hero for you know the hero is usually like this one who will save the day well in this one it's kind of like an anti-western because it's like Phil really isn't your typical hero, and he's really kind of a... At first, you think he's going to be the villain, and he's going to do something really nasty. But, you know, I'm, I'm not going to spoil the ending for you guys, because oh. you guys really need to watch this film. It's really... It, it, it flips you on your ass by the time... Yeah, no, l- yeah. literally, it does. You don't see... You do not... Do not well, see the ending what's, coming. What's beautiful is you do if you're paying attention to right. the film. Because yeah, very- Jane... She does it in both films. She she hides these little like little like almost like Easter eggs mm-hmm. or like little hints, very subtle hints that you know could give you an idea of what's coming at the end. Mm-hmm. And you may not pick up on it the first time, but if you're paying really close attention, you could see it. And something I wanted to say about Phil too is Phil kind of encapsulates that you know we as men are not supposed to be like emotional. And, and you were kind of mm-hmm. touching on this a little bit, but he's like. He's like that that character type that's like oh the brunt the force but you almost see him break a couple times and it's right. it's heartbreaking it to yeah it's heartbreaking to see because it's like you know he's he has to be so strong in front of all of his guys because he's the leader and he can't you know can't show emotion and show fear or pain but then when he's alone you really truly see how vulnerable 
uh, and how messed up he is, uh, how, how much, how much Rose coming in along with Peter, her son and, you know, mm-hmm. George basically marrying, marrying Rose, how much it really just kind of destroys him. And right. eventually he comes to terms with it, but there, I, I don't know about you personally, but I did not like Rose, mm-hmm. uh, she kind of is there to disrupt in a in a mm-hmm. sense because you know she disrupts Phil's life. Uh, George, she takes George away from Phil. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're brothers. You know, it's that familial um, connection that they both have, and you know they are really close. You you get that sense of like he's losing. Phil is losing a part of himself, and he's already in the past lost a part of himself the only way he knows how to get out of the situation is to lash out and i find it interesting that campion has this particular character phil uh the way he basically manipulates rose and kind of starts to um really like uh try to attack like like not verbally but uh just emotionally attack her and and really uh try to make her feel uncomfortable and not welcome in the household he whistle he ha- he develops this whistle which is very haunting in a sense because mm. and that's why I, where i thought he was going to become like this really menacing like character and like oh shoot are we going to experience like a, a death, you know, kind yeah, of thing. Is she going to kill herself? Or, basically, yeah. But, yeah. And he and he basically drives her to insanity in a sense because it, it's it's a and we see that downward spiral that she goes through. You know, drives her to drink. You know, and it's really like he he kind he manipulates her into thinking uh, that he's a bad guy and everything, and then. Also gets his clutches into her son, Peter. Um, you know, it's it's just um, a really interesting way. But he does it all through just being this opposing force that's there. And also you hear him with this particular motif of the the whistle, which actually kind of reminded me of the movie M by Fritz Lang, where mm. the, the murderer is characterized with sound because that was one of the first films that had sound and they use sound as a motif to tell the audience hey something's not right with this character and there's an impending doom that's going to happen to our let's say hero because rose is kind of in a sense our um hero in a or heroine because she's you know put in this situation and she has to try to fight her way out of it in a, mm-hmm. in a sense it's funny. I watched both uh, M and the piano while I was in school and a critical film studies class. So, yeah. Um, and and you see the influence directly that Campion is drawing from because also she draws heavily uh, from John Ford films, the Western, you know, like the searchers. It really reminded me of like the searchers because of the mm-hmm. grand vistas that we see of the West. He's going to talk about that. Yeah. And, and of of just living on the ranch and you know we it, the the grittiness of what life of a cowboy is and it's interesting because rose is kind of like the city girl coming to live on the ranch and it's that big city uh small you know and and, and 
coming yeah, going from a, a very very rural uh, dense pop area to a very rural life. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a big difference. It's a it's a huge difference. What I what I found interesting is uh, as opposed to piano. I mean, for the most part, I feel like the environment and the piano really doesn't ever affect the story till the very very end when you know uh, mm -hmm. Ada mm -hmm. makes her decision to. I'm not going to spoil that one either, but yeah. makes a decision that ultimately greatly affects the the outcome of the film, and it's and a, a big part of that is due to the conditions they're in and what they're surrounded by. Mm -hmm. But in in the Power of the Dog, that you have these giant, beautiful vistas and landscapes, and there's there's one point where they talk about uh, it's a wolf in the in the in the hill, right? It, they right. see it, the the head of a, a head of a wolf. Mm -hmm. And it, it was it was interesting to me that typically I feel like in 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 westerns the environment plays a big factor in the films just because like western life is so much it was so much harder and rougher because you didn't have all the things that you have in today's world right the, well, you, didn't the weather was rough. you didn't have you didn't have animal story about yeah, yeah. so. And I don't. I really want to talk about it, but I don't want to spoil it. But when when Peter discovers the thing that basically changes the course of the film, you know what I'm talking about. That has to do with 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 the nature and 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 things like that. And it's it's two it's two very subtle things that ultimately change the endings of both films. I don't want to say either one, which is kind of leaving it open ended, but. You really need to experience both both the films because she does such a good job, like I said, of of taking taking a story and and taking you along and, and creating incredible characters and and a beautiful meaning underneath. But there's also she leaves so many things open ended, right? And there's not much dialogue too that I've noticed no. in in Jane Campion's films because it, she really lets the scenes breathe, lets you visually just enjoy what you're watching which is nice it's a they have a nice pace to them the the piano i felt was a little slow at at first but then it picks up right when they're dropped on into new zealand when ada and her daughter are dropped there and she's literally like hoisted over the shoulders of the the locals and brought to her new husband which was yeah, like she has no it's kind of comical in sense um, why they picked Harvey Keitel as a, a local native who's supposed to be half uh, Maori, I think, and also like half white as as well. Uh, yeah, he he did an okay job, but it was just kind of like dorky where they just you know <laughs> kind of painted on the 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 tribal design on him and stuff. But it was like he, I mean, he's still great performance wise but it was just like ugh, come on guys but that's like when we talked about last of the mohicans right yeah Similar. it and and again I, that was one of my notes is it reminded me of the last of the mohicans because <laughs> it's you know they had to get name actors to be in these film films at that time to get the box office draw because did you know sigourney weaver was actually up for the uh uh role of yes. Ada? and also yes, i read that and uh and also Isabelle Huppert, who is a, a French actress, and um, she's been in a lot of stuff. Like uh, I think she was in White Material, and she's been in a ton of uh, actually, f funny enough, a ton of films from Claire Denis. Well, how about also uh, Sam Neill? I mean, 
literally <laughs> when I saw, you know, uh, when I, you know, when I first saw Sam Neill, my first introduction to Sam Neill growing up was Jurassic Park. So like seeing him in this was like, wait a minute, I know that guy, but he's normally being chased by a Tyrannosaurus Rex or something or saving humanity. Well, he was also in another, uh, another great female director's film, My Brilliant Career. So he really got a lot, like, it's so cool to watch uh you know like these actors who we grew up watching especially you know with you with sam neill in jurassic park you know they start with these great directors like you know jillian jillian armstrong and also jane campion you know so it, it they have to they always start somewhere and end up you know in the hollywood scene which is really cool <laughs> basically with the piano and also the power of the dog you really have this theme of the battle of wills and uh what strength really means like how do these characters really cope with being put in kind of crappy situations and how are they able to live and i think that becomes a staple of campion's films where these characters are dropped into as i said a very unknown world and have to somehow figure out a way to survive much in the sense of even like you know we saw this with like the gray and the tiger and stuff in previous episodes you know it's that man and woman versus nature uh and nature versus man and woman basically so it's similar themes which I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah, and going back to the piano, not not just the piano like the the film but the piano the actual physical piano um, mm-hmm. in both films the piano at the at the end mm-hmm. it's not you know it's not as important in in the power of the dog but it is still a very uh it, it has a lot to do with the character building at that point because that's one of the first times we really see uh you know rose try to bring in some of her 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 self into mm-hmm. the the house and that's when phil has that and you know beautiful moment i mean it's really you could feel the tension in that moment when he starts playing the playing the banjo and just you know absolutely just destroying he's like guitar hero shredding over there on that (laughs) on the banjo yeah and then he then that's when he kind of adapts that whistle too Mm -hmm. that's when he kind of starts because because like you said that whistle haunts her when she's Mm -hmm. in the alley and she starts you know drinking he's he's watching her tormenting yeah yeah and then in the piano by the end of the piano and again i won't spoil it but the the piano i'm saying the piano a lot today it's really about the piano man yeah the the physical piano is the thing that ends up holding back ada Mm -hmm. if you if you think about it so in both films yeah the musical instrument is a big uh, a big proponent and factor into our characters uh almost like emotional journeys in a way type thing for ada it's much more important right but even even in the in the power of dog of the, of the dog when the family comes to you know eat and they're trying to impress them and, and mm-hmm. George's like oh play 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 you know and she can't play anything she's absolutely embarrassed and just distraught yeah it's like that without that moment without the the moment where he was haunting her with you know his music and stuff and her fear she probably would have never gotten to the point where she is by the end of the film uh, and the same thing with with Ada and the piano as we're talking about yeah. pianos without without all of the events that transpire and the you know the the key with the the finger 
Oh yes, and all that, all that fun <laughs> stuff. Um, again, I'm trying to be kind of, kind yeah, of very discreet, <laughs> kind of broad because both of these films deserve to be watched and appreciated, yes. especially The Power of the Dog because it's so you know new. I don't want to spoil that one, mm-hmm. but ultimately, uh, a musical instrument that normally brings so much joy and happiness to people and is you know probably one of the Seen. most common instruments I would say yeah. that you you experience mm-hmm. in life. It kind I, of I rep- like- it represents the building blocks of music a lot of the time too because mm-hmm. it's like a very basic instrument that a lot of people they that's when you start music and you start learning music that's what you start with and it it mm-hmm. kind of brings this primal it's almost in a sense a primal force slash character in both mm-hmm. films that either disrupts or is used as a catalyst to propel the narrative forward in the films. I was going to say, and to throw another one at you just like that, mm-hmm. normally with you know music, you start at the beginning and it takes you on a journey, and the piano is the device that takes you on the journey. And in both of these films, we go mm-hmm. on a journey, but the piano is a central part of that journey. So it's like a, a symbol and a symbol. You, I, re- you I really want to start singing uh, Sound of Music right now. You start with A, the B, hills C. are alive. <laughs> Do, re, mi. <laughs> I do have to point out, I'm not going to spoil it, but one of the so this is a connection I made in the power of the dog. Mm-hmm. When, when Peter and Phil share that moment in the barn where Peter is smoking, where, yep. P- where Peter lights up the the cigarette and he's working on his his rope. Phil is working on Peter's rope. It's almost like because we find out that the power of the dog is a verse is is attached to a verse in the Bible at mm-hmm. the, at the end of the film. Yeah, and taking it in a biblical sense. It it's almost like that moment is like the Last Supper type of m- moment, right? Like Peter is Judas, mm-hmm. and Phil is Jesus in a sense. I I don't know if you kind of I I, that I up. did yeah I picked up a little bit of that, but that's actually no I I didn't pick up all of it, but definitely the bl- biblical uh, themes undertones undertones yeah. of that partic- of the power of the dog really pushed through, and um it's only you know enhanced by you know when we see that verse in the Bible, uh, cause the whole time you're going like, what does the power of the dog mean? And what, yeah. and that's actually a question I'll ask you. What do you think the power of the dog means? Well, when I, but when I first started the film, I thought it had to do with the, the mountains, which mm-hmm. I, I think actually it kind of does, does kind of tie into that because right. you know, the first thing that when they're, when Phil and, and Peter are both standing together the first time, he says, you know, uh, what do you see? And he mm-hmm. talks about the, is, does he say wolf or dog in the mountain? I forget. I think it's the wolf. Yeah. I, okay. I'm pretty sure he sees, it's he, like a wolf. He sees a wolf. And what's interesting is, you know, wolves are typically, like we talked about in the gray, they're, they're very pack oriented animals. Um, and harboring could almost say, yeah, or, yeah, or they're scavengers or whatever, but they're smart. They're, they're very well, they, they know how to operate as a group. And if one goes down, it is detrimental to the group. And you can almost say that Phil, in this sense, is the, you know, the alpha, right, of his group, all of his, all of the guys. And then you have Peter coming in and Peter's like, mm-hmm. maybe more, I don't even know if you call Peter a wolf. Peter's, Peter's much more cunning like and a conniving. Lamb. He's almost, yeah, yeah, he's, he we acts think. innocent. Yeah, he acts innocent, but he actually underneath. I'm trying to think of like an animal. He's a that you sheep in wolf's clothing, example. basically. There you go. Yeah, that's perfect. I mean, but, that's the best way to 
describe that his particular character because he's very again manipulative which is really Mm -hmm. interesting that his mother gets manipulated and he and phil have that kind of connection because their character their characters are kind of similar where they're you know what really separates peter from going a step too far and also um what steps what prevents Phil from going a step too far because there's always that line that's being played around with in the throughout the whole film whether Phil is gonna ki- try to kill Rose or try like you don't know what he's gonna do next because mm-hmm. and then you know like when he starts mentally tormenting her with the whistle with the music and the piano and and all that it really messes with the psyche of Rose and she just go she's she basically fades away in a sense. Yeah, she becomes a shell of her of herself. Of until, her herself, yeah. Until the very end when like I said, both films have a very drastic change a drastic event that happens that changes the course of what you think is going to end up happening. And mm-hmm. and the power of the dog I think is more shocking than than the than the piano mm-hmm. uh just because of how quick everything happens. But to answer your question about you know what what do i think the power of the dog is mm-hmm. you know it, it's it's found in uh psalms 22 uh mm-hmm. and my god my god why is thou forsaken me which is taught which is when jesus is on the cross you know mm-hmm. asking you know to, to basically forgive the people that are doing what they do because they don't understand what they've done to, to jesus and the fact that she she picked this verse uh you know over anything anything else is it's interesting because, like, like I said about the Judas to Jesus mm-hmm. comparison, uh, I was reading some articles that say you know that pe- people think Peter is more the the Jesus character, which I, I don't know if I I truly agree with that, considering the outcome of you know what what ultimately happens. Mm-hmm. I, I I think I can kind of see what they're going for. Um, if anything, I would say he's more Judas. Yeah, Phil yeah. is more of the of the Jesus character, but yeah. um, the power of the dog, I feel like, is I mean, well, there's there's that I feel like a dog is always looked at, you know, as a when when you use dog in a in any sense of the in the term, typically you're talking about somebody like oh they're a dog, like oh man they're tough, they're hardworking, they're mm-hmm. they're you know they're they're gonna they're gonna persevere and get through anything type of thing. And that's where I kind of see where Peter is the the dog, right? Because mm-hmm. he doesn't ever show it. You know, he doesn't ever truly show his true self. He's very closed off. He's very, even to his mom, right? Yeah. I mean, he makes sure that George never finds out about the alcoholism and everything by you know he hides the bottles and and makes sure to to keep it tidy. And even with his work, like. The fact that he's he's into dissection and things like that, he's very clean and meticulous, and he's got all the makings of like a a, psycho. a psychopath. Yeah, yeah, like a, like a psycho. Honestly, um, so the power of the dog, I think, is just the that Peter, to me, outside of the biblical sense, is that Peter is not, you know, he's not someone that you can you can push around. He's going to fight for things he might not be like the most like aggressive in the way he does it but he's very he's very calculated he's almost like a wolf right yeah like you said he's the wolf in sheep's clothing he looks so innocent on the outside he looks like he's the victim but in the end he's the one 
controlling the whole show. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, I, I, I totally agree with you on that because, you know, really, yeah, he, he, he is, you don't really see his true colors and he, uh, he acts like a very kind of timid, like dog kind of shy. And then like, once he's let into a certain aspect of Phil's life, and accepted into the pack that's when he finds like it's all about again control and and leading the pack and Mm -hmm. what is that mask it's that masculine side of men that really tries to one-up each other and try to um basically kill you know and in in a sense it's almost kind of an oedipus rex ordeal because he's trying to kill his father to supplant the father head and be close to his mother type of thing, mm-hmm. which I thought was kind of interesting in, in that sense. It, it's, it's like the Oedipus Rex of Western <laughs> of the Westerns, <Yeah>. you know? <laughs> so with, with like Dickens mixed in and John Ford and <laughs> a bunch of other stuff. So you really see the influences that Campion has. I mean, she's definitely read all these <laughs> great parts of literature and she's just, uh making a very interesting western film that we can um well in a sense i would say it's more of an anti-western film because mm-hmm. the the phil character is definitely trapped we feel for him by the end of the film um and we we kind of start rooting for him because he he has his own demons that he's dealing with throughout the film i mean you know whether that's his relationship with his uh, brother, his relationship with his best friend, um, uh, Buffalo Bill, and uh, you know, like uh, his own sexuality himself. You know, like wh- is it Buffalo Bill? Did I say that right? <laughs> no, it's not Buffalo Bill. <laughs> Wild Bill Hitchcock. <laughs> so <laughs> makes some rare appearance in the film. Oh, now you made me forget what his name is. I think it's Buffalo Bill, dude. It's not Buffalo Bill. It's Bootstrap Bill or something. Bootstrap Bill. No, it's, not boots, it's not Bootstrap either. Bootstrap sounds like something from that, Pirates that, of the Caribbean. That's from Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, what is his name? Now I'm going to... Now I'm... Hold on. I can't believe I just said that. Uh, this is going to be a lot of editing on this one. <laughs> oh, hang on. Here we go. Bronco Henry. <laughs> no, I, was, I wasn't even close. All right, guys. Well, we're going to snip that part out. <laughs> so uh, one, go ahead. You know, he's dealing with his relationship that he's had with Bronco Henry, even though we called him Buffalo Bill. It's actually Bronco Henry, guys. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, we're, we're getting into this, man. So, like, you know, and he's also dealing with his own sexuality. And I would say grief also his own relationship with his own mother too comes up as well like Mm. his his own family they've kind of ostracized him for being this kind of outcast which is why i think he also relates to the peter character because he's an outcast but really you know it's like you're playing with fire in a sense Mm -hmm. so one one thing I wanted to mention mm-hmm. go with uh, in regards to the power of the dog is that's like I said is found in Psalms and Psalms the the book of Psalms is all well basically hymns right yeah and what's uh what's a common theme in both of these films we already talked about the music 
music. Yeah. Yeah. And the the verse that it comes from is is just one of the, you know, out of out of all the ones that is that is included in in Psalms 22. She picked that one for a specific reason, but I I find it interesting that it came from Psalms, which is hymns basically that mm-hmm. that were written. Yeah. Uh well, I mean like the the biblical themes are definitely evident in this film um not so much in the piano i would say the piano is more mm-hmm. um it's more about like wi- like understanding like women and like uh this is, like you said like exploring the the sexuality and, and the power that women have and and that yeah. they contain and also just the art Fine. art is also a big part of it as well like women finding their voice in a lost world basically you mm-hmm. know hey, there's that jurassic park in a, in a male dom- <laughs> in a male dominated in a male dominated society basically yeah i mean it's it's uh you know like because with the piano you know as far as stories that influence these particular films you know the the piano is definitely influenced by uh the story of the new zealand river and uh folk i also the folktale loosely based on the folktale of bluebeard as well um you know and it's it's got that kind of very i mean even how the way it's shot is very earth earthy tones and just has like a very rustic feel and and really i mean the the thing i find interesting with campion's films i i just started watching him in bright star which is another film that came out after uh the piano that Campion did, and she pays such close attention to getting the time period accurately depicted through costume design. The costume designs mm. for these films are just like immaculate. Like it looks like something out of uh, a museum piece. Like you know, they're like it, it has that lived-in earth, like rustic feel. I mean, the power of the dog, the piano. Um, you know the the grit and the grime that these characters have to uh basically struggle through and come out clean and hopefully revived and and with some sense of renewal of their own strength as people mm-hmm. it plays a big part in these particular films yeah, well, I mean, like you talked about the costumes, right? Just the difference between Phil and George, just the the, the mm-hmm. sure difference. I mean, the, the the night they have the the dinner, everyone's you know dressed up. It's like cocktail attire. There are cocktails involved, and then mm-hmm. uh, George goes to Phil, and they have that conversation. And you think it's going to be about you know that he wants him to be nicer to Rose or whatever, but he knows he really can't control. He can't control him, but he asks him, you know. She wants you to be washed up. And that seems like such a simple thing, right? To, to be mm-hmm. clean. But for, for Phil, it's such a... It's more so, you know, he probably wouldn't have a problem being clean. It's more so that the fact that he's kind of now being controlled, which he doesn't like. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't like to be out of control. He's, very, he's a very dominating person in general. Well, he's, he's also in denial of his own sexuality. I mean, yeah. that's... I mean, he wants, he's basically covering himself up with grime and dirt because he's trying to hide something of himself Mm -hmm. to the people around him. I mean, the other cowboys, the other, you know, his brother to Rose, you know, he does that by, you know, just masking it with not washing and, and that 
uh, because to do that would mean he would actually have to join the human race. He'd rather be this kind of animal living by himself, a loner, and just wanting to be by himself and do what he wants in life. I was going to say, and you know what's interesting? If somebody watched this film and didn't know anything about the characters, let's just say they just looked at the two characters, looked at George and looked at Phil. Mm-hmm. Who do you think they would go more towards being the feminine one of the two? Probably George. Because exactly. he's well kept, he's very tidy. He, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, he, at the time he was like, it would be considered his own, uh, a typical gentleman, you know, and, and, well, yeah, he was well-groomed, always had his hair combed. He, yeah, he's wealthy. I mean, look at look at where they live. Yeah. Jeez. They live in a mansion, basically, out in the middle of nowhere. So to be able to afford that ranch that's probably producing a lot of money for that family and such, you know, he inherited that because he's the oldest. And then Phil mm-hmm. is just kind of like this outcast younger brother who's just like, you know, I'm just here. I'm just existing in a sense. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really interesting the visuals of how Campion will show these particular characters as far as having them go on this journey of self-discovery of who they really are as people too because, you know, and and going through all these ordeals that come up with living in these very rugged environments. You know, as you said, like the environment itself become, also becomes a character. You know, everything kind of intertwines with one another in a, a Jane Campion film, which is really cool. So, mm-hmm. well, here's another question I wanted to ask mm-hmm. about Peter. This might this is a little bit in spoiler territory, so if you don't want to hear this, just like skip ahead, probably like maybe two three minutes. But <laughs> you know, he kind of he had to learn how to ride a horse and all this type of stuff. Do you do you think? Any of that he might have already known at some point. I think he already knew. He he basically was a manip. He's he is a manipulative uh, character because yeah, he's definitely book smart. He, I would we never really get a sense of what the past is with him and his mom. Like, did what happened to her her ex husband? That mm-hmm. you know, did he die? Did he? Yeah, you know, like what happened? They don't really oh. Well, Peter talks about how he found him dead, uh, hang- hanging. Yeah, yes, he committed suicide. Okay, I I missed that part, but no, you're good. Yeah. I mean that's and that's a huge reason why I think Phil starts to feel sympathetic towards him right. because when he tells him about that, it's like, and here's a oh my goodness, I just realized this. You know, you know at the at the beginning, Peter's room. Uh, has the rope on it and it says in case of emergency for prior emergency like go out the window right yes i don't know if you ever noticed but in that rope uh when when phil walks in i think it's the first time phil walks into that room uh it's a different room but it's still but there's a little bit of a there's a little noose tied into the rope which i think is normal right but yeah. when you look at it from where where you at, you're at at the end of the film compared to there it's like oh my goodness like it's foreshadow like, that's that's beautiful it's beautiful storytelling like yeah. it's like we talked about you know she Jane is so subtle with what she gives away, but if you're paying attention, mm-hmm. not like gonna watch like, that movie again, <laughs> right? No, there's so many little because I, after I watched it, uh, mm-hmm. I went and read some stuff because I wanted to see what people thought about the ending. Because you know, you always like to see what everybody else's opinions are about endings, especially if they're kind of open ended or you know, it's more of a mystery, yeah, per se. Because this, this, this film ultimately ends up as a mystery. I mean, yeah. you could put it together if you 
if you just if you're paying attention, right? There's plenty mm-hmm. of clues that that do it. But um, and and a lot of people had some very interesting things to say. A lot of people kind of went the way that we talked about off off the off the recording, you know. Yeah. But there were some other ones that were like, you know, da 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 da. But I won't get into that. But I just I love. I love when an, an uh, a filmmaker or a creator or a writer, whatever it is, just like takes something and kind of leaves it open ended for the audience to decide. I, right. I love that. It's one of my favorite things because I think she, having an audience's interpretation is is such a valuable thing to mm-hmm. a to a filmmaker and an artist oh, yeah. because it gives you that that idea to you know open up your work to to others as opposed to having like a set finite or final. Right. Well, it doesn't uh, bash you over the head and and preach mm-hmm. to you. It it literally allows you to make an opinion for yourself and just enjoy what you're watching and also tr- go through the journey with the characters, you know. And especially with the power of the dog, it's as you said an, an investigative type of story where the viewer is really like kind of the t- the detective trying to piece. The puzzle together, but you it, don't realize that until the end. You know, right. you don't realize that you're you think it's just going to be like this family drama. Oh, they don't like each other. Maybe there's going to be like a, a a fight or something and stuff. But yeah, and then you think there's going to be romance at one point, and but that- I think the piano scene, though, in a sense, I, I read uh, an article where they were likening that particular scene to the movie's gunfight. Because really, there are no gun. Uh, there's no gunfights in the film. No, it's there's no violence. There's no violence. I mean, except for a particular ball scene where <laughs> uh, oh. Phil basically castrates a bull. He actually, yeah. yeah which I, I'm just got. It's pretty gory. They they show it on camera, and it's it's pretty like it. It, but it's meant to literally. <laughs> I was eating during that, by the way. <laughs> I hope you didn't spit out your food. <laughs> no, I just got my food and I look, I, I like pressed play on my on the, the movie and I was watching. And I was like, "Oh, that oh. just happened." <laughs> All righty, all righty, we're we're getting into that film. <laughs> so, <Balls deep. laughs> you know, I had to. You had to. You had to. You had to. So, yes, guys, there are. It, it is a very graphic scene, but it's in a sense. Phil castrating his own masculinity in that mm. sense, uh, or in that particular scene um, of the film, and for the character's journey, you know, it's like, oh, we now we really get, it kind of emphasizes the fact of his um, doing away with his own masculine side and embracing more of the feminine side of his sexuality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I think. I think the biggest thing that both these films kind of teach you is uh, kind of be true to yourself. I mean, mm-hmm. it kind of it sounds cliche and corny, but, but I really, feel like yeah. Jane was really trying to try, trying to you know get across that you know hiding behind something that that you think is you uh, ultimately won't lead to your happiness or other people's happiness around you. You know why why not just go ahead and shed that away and and do or be whatever makes you happy as opposed to. And also beware of pianos. Yeah, for real. <laughs> like, look out for pianos. I mean, they, like about cartoons, you know, all those old skits where the piano. I mean, what do they always? Wiley drop Coyote on the got they, several pianos dropped on him. I mean, come on, you just gotta you gotta look out for those grand pianos. They're 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 dangerous. Yeah, they're dangerous. 
<laughs> I was trying to make it serious here. At the end I, I know. You I, know gotta, but you I had to throw, throw a piano to, on my plans. I, I, I couldn't resist, man. I mean, you you went balls deep, man. So like, I had to throw <laughs> something in there. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, guys, we'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us on Film Detectives. You can follow us on our social media at Film Detectives. You want me to play us out? If you like this episode, make sure to follow us on social media at Film Detectives. For further news and upcoming shows, join us next week as we explore filmmakers from around the world. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.